Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Merry Christmas! Uh, it's so good to see all of y'all. Now, honestly, I'm, I'm so glad that at least this Christmas season so far, we've actually had some cold weather, so it actually feels like Christmas, right? That's not always true when you live in Houston. Um, so today we're wrapping up our message series uh, called Christmas Heroes. We're going to talk about the last hero who was present on that Christmas Eve. And um, ironically, when I started doing research on the, this individual, I realized there is scant little information in the Bible about this person, even though he's incredibly well-known, and he's a major player in the Christmas story, probably second only to Mary herself. And when you read about him, he initially, he comes across, you know, just like a a really ordinary person, you know, just, you know, someone just like you and I, Um, but when you look at this individual's life, who he is at his core is anything but ordinary. And who he is, that is what makes him a true Christmas hero. Now, I'm sure many of you already figured it out. I'm I'm talking about Joseph, you know, as in Joseph and Mary. Um, That's what we're talking about this morning. And at this time, when we first look at him, he's a young man, and he's engaged to Mary. They're not married yet, but they're about to be. And so, Before they wed, it turns out that Mary becomes pregnant, you know, through the Holy Spirit, and so now she's with child, even though technically she's still a virgin. And it's what Joseph does after that, after he finds out this bit of information, that is what makes him a Christmas hero. So, now, I don't know, look, I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to end up where I'm just you know, like some ordinary Joe. I want, I want God to do something extraordinary through my life. I, and I bet most of us feel the same way. I mean, when I step out of this life and into the presence of God, I want God to be able to look at me, and I want him to say, well done. Amen. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your joy today. I bet most of us want God to say the same thing about our lives. We want him to say, thing, say the same thing about us. But in order for that to happen, we have to learn some of the lessons that we get from Joseph. And so we need to become more like him, who, by the way, he was no ordinary Joe, okay? Pun intended. So pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's look at Joseph's life. And so what makes Joseph... No ordinary Joe. Well, there's two really, really big things. The first big thing that we get from this passage is this. Number one, he follows wherever God leads. He follows wherever God leads. We're going to look at two quick passages about Joseph. And now, here's the context of the first one. The the context is that Mary and Joseph, they're engaged to be married. They don't live together. They've never slept together because they want to honor God with their lives. And so, um, so that's their situation. But Mary becomes pregnant, and she tells Joseph that an angel had appeared to her and told her that she was going to become pregnant through a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit, even though she's still a virgin, and that God told her that she was to name this child Jesus. Well, Joseph doesn't believe her. 
Uh, but clearly, he loves Mary, and he doesn't want to publicly humiliate her, so he's decided that he's just going to go ahead and just divorce her quietly. Now, in this culture, when somebody was engaged, an engagement was actually a legally binding agreement. And so even though they were just engaged, in order to break the engagement, Joseph actually would have to file for a divorce, which is exactly what he plans to do. And so, but before he's able to divorce her, an angel visits Joseph in a dream and tells him that Mary is indeed telling him the truth and he should not be afraid to go ahead and marry her. And so look what happens. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, when Joseph woke up from this dream that, where he saw the angel, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, the second passage we're going to look at, and we need to fast forward a little bit, because by this time, Jesus has already been born. He and Mary, they're in Bethlehem. The Magi have already visited, and the Magi have just left. So that's, what, that's where we pick it up. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says this, when they had gone, the Magi, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Okay, now, here's what I want you to see from these first two passages, okay? No matter what God tells Joseph to do, Joseph does it. Now, whether it's to go ahead and take Mary home and, and, and marry her anyway, or it's to get up in the middle of the night and go to Egypt, Joseph just simply obeys. He follows wherever God leads. Now look, I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person that I just follow wherever it is that God leads. So no matter what he tells me to do, okay, there's no waiting, no hesitating, no negotiating, just me following. Like that, that's what I want for all my own life. Look, and all of, get this, although Joseph is only mentioned in three chapters in the entire Bible, Matthew chapters 1 and 2, and then also in Luke chapter 2, that's it. He is a major player in the Christmas story, primarily because he's willing to follow wherever God leads. Now, because he's willing to follow wherever God leads, there's two key things we learn from Joseph about what it takes to follow God when God leads you someplace. And these are your bullet points. So here's the first one. I want you to write this one down. The first thing that it takes is that it takes quiet. If you're going to follow God, it takes quiet. Okay, now I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about, think about how much stress Joseph was under, okay? So here he is. He's engaged to this young lady whom he really loves, who he feels like that she's an extremely godly you know, young girl, but his fiance, before they get married, she becomes pregnant. And she's unwilling to own up what it seems like she has clearly done. And up until this time, Joseph thought that she was, you know, as pure as new fallen snow. But clearly, that's not the case. And so he feels like he's been duped this whole time. And Joseph knows 
Joseph knows if he goes in and marries her, they know, he knows what people are going to say about him. He knows what people are going to say about her. He knows what they're going to say about the baby. And plus, he doesn't want to raise some other guy's child. I mean, that's the other guy's responsibility. That's not Joseph's. So Joseph's got all this weighing on his heart. And then, on top of that, the stupid Romans have now declared that there's a census going to happen in a few months. And so now, Joseph, in a few months, is going to have to go from his hometown, or from his town in Nazareth where he lives, to 90 miles south on a walk, 90 miles south to Bethlehem where his whole family is from. And he knows this is not about counting people. This is just a money grab by the Romans because there's going to be taxes to pay. And so now he's going to have to fork over some cash that he really doesn't want to have to pay. And on top of that, like, there's going to be all this family that are there, and like, who knows what other kind of crazy family members are going to show up for this deal, and then they're going to ask him questions about his life and about Mary that he doesn't want to have to answer and have to go through the whole thing again about, like, why they broke it up and what she did, and his heart's still breaking it too. Like, all of that is weighing on his mind, and it's filling his heart. All of that is super big time stressing Joseph out. I mean, can, so can you feel the stress? that he's under and what's going on in his mind? Look, here's the deal. Why is this so important? Because look, I don't know about you, but during the times of my life when I am like super stressed out, I have a really hard time hearing from God. Because the only things I can think about are the things that I'm stressed about. And so when I'm praying, and I, I, I'm wondering, am I really hearing from God, or am I just telling myself what I want to hear? Right? I mean, does anybody else feel this sometimes? Yeah. And so I think this is where Joseph, now look, now let, me, let, me, let me be clear. Look, the Bible does not specifically say that Joseph is stressed out. The Bible does not specifically say that Joseph needs quiet in his life, okay? So we're, we're inferring a little bit here. But if Joseph is anything like you and me, with all that he's going through, the very thing that he needs the most is the very thing that he cannot get, and that's quiet. He can't get any quiet in order to really hear from God. And so, you know what God does? God speaks to him during the only time in his day when he has any quiet, when he's asleep. And when he's asleep, God speaks to him in a dream. See, here's the thing. Here's the truth. I mean, you just write this down somewhere, write it on your heart, write it on your notes. I don't really care, but get this. God speaks in the quiet. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you from personal experience. God speaks in the quiet. He doesn't compete with all the noise. He doesn't compete with other voices. God speaks to us in the quiet. So let me ask you, do you have enough quiet in your life where you can hear from God? Do you have enough quiet in your life where you can hear from God? Is there enough quiet in your life so that if God wanted to speak to to you, that you could hear him? So, especially during this Christmas season, like, you need to have some quiet. Because look, like Joseph, I know like many of you are going to be traveling, you know, you're going to go see some family, like who knows what kind of family members are going to be there, and they're going to ask you questions about your life that you wish that you could avoid, and that you're going to end up, you know, sleeping in some uncomfortable situation at home because you're going to have to sleep on the, you know, a fold-out couch or some sort of makeshift bed or a blow-up mattress, I mean, but hey, at least it's not in a barn with animals in a manger, right? So, 
I mean, your situation is a lot like Joseph. And so, again, the question is, during this holiday season, is there enough quiet in your life where if God wanted to speak to you, you could hear him? And look, I'm not talking about quiet just so that you can, like, decompress and get rid of stress, although that, that is important. I'm talking about quiet where you could hear God if he wanted to speak to you. Look, I don't know about you, but, um, I mean, for me, in order for me to hear from God, I, I have to get up early when my house is still quiet so that I can pray and I can read my Bible and I can carve out a little time where I can listen for God to speak. Because if it's not quiet, I, I can't hear him. Because God speaks in the quiet. So, let me ask you again. Is there enough quiet in your life where if God wanted to speak to you, he could? So, no matter what my day looks like, I, I do my very best to try to carve out just a little quiet space where I can hear from God. So, look, w- would you make a similar commitment? Would you make a commitment right now that whether you, you would get up early or whether you would take some time during your lunch break to kind of get away from it all or do whatever it takes to create a quiet space where for like 20, 30 minutes you could read the Bible, you could pray, and so that if God wanted to speak to you, he could. Look, and I, I don't know what God would tell you. I have no idea what, what he would speak to you, but you'll never hear him if you don't have some space. Look, I don't know, for me, sometimes God will speak to me like several days in a row. Sometimes it'll be months before I hear him. But I do my best to try to create some space where if he wants to say something, I could hear. Would you do the same? Okay. So, it takes quiet to follow God. Here's the other thing it takes that we learn from Joseph's life. And so, this is your second bullet point. It takes guts. It just straight up takes guts. It takes guts to follow God wherever God will lead you, okay? So, think about Joseph for just a second. Um, Remember, in the second dream he has, an angel comes and visits him, and he says, hey, Joseph, I need you to get up right now, middle of the night, you know, wake up Mary, wake up the baby that Mary has just rocked to sleep, get all your gear, load the family donkey, and make a run for Egypt. That takes some guts, okay? Because, I mean, think about Joseph in the middle of the night, like, he's going to wake up his wife who's, I mean, look, she just had a baby. I mean, she's got to be exhausted, plus she just got the baby to sleep. I mean, it takes guts to wake up a baby and say, hey, babe, start packing, we're moving, Right? I mean, look, those of you that are dads, like, you get this, right? I mean, what would it have taken for you to have woken up your wife in the middle of the night after she's just had a baby and say, come on, babe, I need you to start packing right now. We're moving to the Middle East. Yeah, that's, that, that takes guts, right? I mean, look, I remember when, when Amy, after we had our first baby, man, if she went, once she got to sleep, there is no way I am waking her up. No way. And I'm definitely not waking up the baby either. That is not going to happen, right? It would, honestly, for that to happen, God would have had to come and send an angel to tell me to do it. Which is exactly what it took for Joseph, right? <laughs> That's what it would take. Because, it, look, it takes guts to follow God. It takes guts to follow God wherever he's leading you to go. Um, I, I think about 
think about starting Parkway Fellowship. Because when we started, we started the park. I mean, I had a comfortable salary. Um, we had insurance. And Amy was seven months pregnant with our first baby. And God said, I need you to walk away from all of that. And I want you to start a different kind of church that will be focused on reaching new people for Christ. And so we pitched the idea to um, some of our close friends. Most of them said, no, we think you're crazy. A few of them said, you know what? We feel like God's asking us to take that step of faith with you. And so we're in. And Parkway Fellowship was born. And here we are almost 15 years later. And God has led thousands of people to a deeper relationship with Christ because of what he has done in their lives. Honestly, and I'm just so glad that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of that. But that's what he's done. Because look, when you take that step of faith, you almost never know how things are going to work out in the end. I mean, we didn't know how things were going to work out. We just said, okay, God, we're going to trust you for the next step. Look, and I don't know what God's asking you to do. I mean, look, maybe nothing. But whatever step God is asking you to take, here's what I can tell you, it's going to take some guts. And I know, it, like, it could be scary because you have no idea how it's going to work out in the end. Look, just because it's scary doesn't mean that you don't have the faith to take the step. It just means that God's calling you to trust him more. That's all it means. And most steps of faith are a little bit scary. There's a little bit of fear built in. But God's asking you to take it because it takes guts to, to follow God, okay? Now, the first step for anybody to follow God is you have to take that step of faith to become a Christian, to become a Christ follower. So if you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and made a commitment to follow him, everybody has to start there. Everybody does. So if you've never done that before, there's a prayer. It's in your message notes. I want to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now and become a Christ follower. That's the first step for anybody. Okay. Now, if you've already taken that step before, then there's a key thing you need to know. I want you to write this down. It's your next fill-in. Okay. The following is where the excitement is. It's in following Christ and following God. That's where the excitement is. Look, when you step out in faith and you follow God, that's when life gets exciting. I mean, how boring is it to just sit and learn about all the stuff that you should be doing? And how, what a boring life that is. The exciting part of life is when you take that step of faith and you jump out and you follow God wherever it is he's leading you to go. That's what makes it exciting. That's where the fun is, okay? I mean, look, think about Joseph for just a second. Don't you think that years later, Mary and Joseph look back and they, at that midnight flight to Egypt, and they're just like, man, how exciting was that? I mean, we don't want to do it again, but how exciting were those days? And don't you think that they told and retold that story to their kids over and over and over and over and over again through life? Of course they did, because the it's, it's in the following that's where the excitement is. That's what makes Christianity exciting. It's in the following. So look, when God asks you to do something, would you just have the guts to go and do it? Look, and it might be something big. Like maybe God is asking you to move far away. Or maybe it's something small. Like God is asking you to you know, give a gift card to someone that you hardly know. Or maybe it's something in between. I, mean, I don't know what God might ask you to do. 
But whatever God asks you to do, would you say, God, I'm going to have the guts to do it. Because to follow God takes quiet and it takes guts, just like Joseph had. Okay. Here's the second really big thing that we learned about Joseph. First, we learned how to follow, that, that Joseph followed God wherever he would lead, and to do that takes quiet, takes guts. Second big thing we learned from Joseph is this, is that he was a special kind of righteous. He was a special kind of righteous. Which look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says this, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, and remember, they, she, they weren't technically married, but it was, the engagements were so legally binded that he was considered her husband, even though they weren't technically husband and wife yet. But Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. I want you to circle the word righteous. That's key. We're going to come back to it in just a second. He was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph is described as a righteous man. Now, normally the word righteous in the Bible is used to describe someone who is religiously righteous, which is what you would expect. However, this word here only appears, the way it's used, only appears six times in the entire Bible. Six. And it's used to describe someone who is lawfully righteous, which means that Joseph had a sense of justice. He had a sense of right, and he had a sense of wrong, and that he obeyed the law. He was a lawful guy. But there's more, because in this case, this is the only time in the entire Bible where this word is used in this way, and this is what I want you to write down. The way the word righteous is used in this passage, it means lawful, but with mercy. It's the only time in the Bible it's used this way. It's lawful, but with mercy, which fits Joseph perfectly. Because look, he was about to do the lawful thing and divorce Mary, but he was going to do it quietly. Even though he could have made a public spectacle, even though he could have actually had her stoned for infidelity, Joseph chooses, yes, he's going to obey the law, and he's going to divorce her, but he's going to do it quietly because he wants to be merciful to her because he still loves her. And so he doesn't want to make it a public spectacle. That's, that's what Joseph does. Look, I'm telling you, this is a rare combination because, look, we all know people. Like, they're just really black and white about everything. But those people are sometimes really hard to be around because most of the time, they're extremely judgmental. They're unkind. They're, they're not very loving. And they have very little mercy. Because they're just so concerned about what's black and what's white. But not Joseph. Jo Joseph is that rare combination of, yeah, I have a sense of right and wrong. And it's clear. But it's so mixed with so much mercy. It's incredible. Well, you know, honestly, which is one of the reasons why we at Parkway Fellowship, why we support an organization like Love 146 that wants to work, that works to end child human trafficking. Because look, whenever you give to Love 146, 
You are doing something that is righteous. When you give to the Christmas offering, you're doing something righteous because, because the lion's share of that money is going to go to Love 146. You are working to end child human trafficking, which is such a horrible, horrible crime. You're doing something righteous, but at the same time, you're doing something merciful because Love 146 helps these little children get their lives back. It's one of the best things about this organization, one of the key reasons why we support them so heavily. Because when you give, you're doing something righteous because you're working to end something that is an injustice in the world that is so unlawful, but at the same time, there's so much mercy woven through it all by helping these little kids. So look, if you, look, if you haven't given to the Christmas offering yet, you, please, go home, pray. Ask God how, how much he wants you to give. And he'll tell you. But whatever he tells you to do, have the guts to do it. Have the guts to do it. Because he'll tell you how much he wants. So I'm not going to tell you an amount. You, you give whatever it is, not what you want, but what God wants you to do. Okay? That's what I want you to do. Um, and remember, we'll be receiving that offering through January 31st. So you've got a little bit of time. All right? Now, in looking at Joseph... Like, you can see why God made him the earthly father of Jesus, can't you? You can see why, why he became the earthly father of Jesus. Because although he never did anything that our world would say is heroic, man, I'm telling you, in God's eyes, he was a superhero. He was a superhero. Because he was willing to follow wherever God led. And he did it with guts. With this keen sense of right and wrong. But, oh, there was so much mercy wrapped up in all of it. It's incredible. And so, he was no ordinary Joe. And if we'll follow the example, God will turn us into no ordinary Joes either. So, bow your head. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Joseph. Thank you for who he is and his example that he sets for us. And so thank you that across the centuries, through just these three little chapters in the Bible, he reaches across, his example reaches across to inspire each one of us today. So Lord, I ask that you would help every person listening today to begin to um, carve out some time, some quiet where they can hear you, and I ask that you would give them guts, give me guts to follow you wherever and however you lead us. And that through it all, Father, you would help us to temper every decision with great mercy and love as we seek to follow you with all our hearts. So thank you for Joseph. Thank you for what you're doing in each one of us. And I ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.